we are bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades podcast. I am your host, Cam, a.k.a. the Ace of Spades, Thanos, a.k.a. the Dynasty Demigod, a.k.a. the four-time champion, a.k.a. Mr. Okay, I'm reloaded. And I'm joined by the one and only Curtis, a.k.a. Kurt Cashy, a.k.a. Curdy two times, a.k.a. Danny's big, big home, a.k.a. Mr. Take Your Best Player and Send You Into a Rebuild. What's going on, Kurt? What's up, bro? How you feeling? Man, I feel fucking fantastic. We literally had a full weekend of football. Football is back in a full swing, and we just completed our very first week in head-to-head matchups, bro. This is probably one of the most exciting episodes we've had the opportunity to do since we've been doing this podcast. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm excited too, man. I'm um you know, y'all y'all saw what happened to BT this week, you know, so I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. No, I'm uh happy, man. I'm happy we uh got some real football uh that we can actually talk about now. We can see like some of these rookies that we drafted like in live in action, man. It's just a it's a good feeling. I'm happy, man. I have two things to say about BT. Two words I should say. He trash. <laughs> Dude, it's simple. He trash. And I, I do want to say this before we dive right into the podcast. I called it a week ago, a little over a week, one week before the season started, exactly one week before Thursday. I told y'all niggas a week from that day, I would be smoking on that Tabron pack. I claimed <laughs> victory early. I claimed my victory early. I smoked my victory cigar early. And here I am. He got 100 point club. He's ass. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, Tay Bryan. Uh. Uh, anyway, we've been we've been calling Tay Bryan the worst GM in the league all summer, and what do you know? His team has the lowest point output for week one, so we'll see if that continues throughout the season. Let's get right into it, man. As always, let's start with some NFL news and notes. James Conner exits early again. So before I ask you to respond to this, Kurt, I just want to give my two cents. James Conner, first of all, he had six carries for nine yards before he exited the game. So he was already trash. Then he exits with an apparent injury and it's league protocol to tell news reporters whether a player is going to be questionable to return out for the game or doubtful to return. They have to give some sort of injury designation that's required. They didn't give an injury designation for James Conner at all. So either that means they two things, they broke protocol. That one of two things. They either broke protocol or this nigga wasn't injured. And for this game, Mike Tomlin just said, you know what? I'm tired of you getting hurt every time you touch the fucking ball. Every time this nigga gets five, six carries, bro. Uh, my pussy hurt. <laughs> I think Tomlin said, look, man. Benny Snell got it for this game, bro. You good. And then at the end of the game, they were like, oh, I don't I don't expect, you know, this injury to last very long. Or I'm expecting, you know, a speedy recovery. A speedy recovery of what? What was the injury? I think this nigga's just cooked, bro. Yeah, I mean, um, the fact that they didn't give an injury designation and he didn't return to the game. And his backup came in and performed well. Yes, yeah, that's, that's not really a good sign for uh, for old James Conner, man. But he seems like a nice person in real life, bro. So hey, I hope that he's okay, man. I'll just say that. But, yeah, that's uh, for fantasy. Yeah, he might just be cooked, man. I don't know. They, they, they He might have lost his job, but they just don't want to say it. But we'll see how, how that plays out um, going forward. I, I think it's a I think it's a trap situation for Justin. Luckily, Justin also has Benny Snell. I just think 
it, it could really be nothing. It could just be, you know, he got dinged up and they just figured they didn't need him for this game and they let him rest. And then next week he's starting again. I don't know. I do think this gives James Conner a much shorter leash on that Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And if anything is to happen to him in the future or he continues to uh, perform the way that he did last night before he got benched, I, I think it's it's within the range of outcomes for him to lose his job. Anyway, moving on to other news and notes. I'll kind of gloss over this one. OBJ could be on the move. This was reported by a media news outlet member, Mike Francesca. Um, I don't really believe this. We've been talking about these OBJ trade rumors ever since he landed on the Browns. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, So I don't don't read too much into this. Although, as the OBJ owner and Baker Mayfield as the quarterback, (laughs) I don't give a fuck where this dude went. Like, if OBJ went to the Dolphins, bro, I'd be ecstatic. (laughs) <laughs> so um, so I'm going to actually hold out a ray of hope that this rumor is actually true, but I don't think it is. Uh, let's get into some Le'Veon Bell news, other injury news for a running back. Le'Veon Bell lands on IR with a hamstring injury. What, is, what do you think this means for Chris Kirk? Um, I think that Chris might be out of the playoff picture um, because of this injury. I mean, um, I wasn't really expecting much from Le'Veon Bell. Uh, this year anyway, just because I know that the sign, like the um, the reports out of camp, was that he could possibly possibly be in a fifty fifty split with Frank Gore. So um, when I heard that news, that pretty much told me where he stood with the organization. Um, but I think in terms of like as far as uh, Chris's team, he needed some production from Le'Veon Bell to still be competitive. Um, because he was a fringe playoff team anyway. So I think without Le'Veon Bell, he might be looking at finishing seventh or eighth place. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. Chris was already on the outside looking in, and you can see after the week one finish, he he scored the sixth most points out of the winning teams. I don't know how that stacks up against teams all up, because I know Danny had a decent performance, even though he lost uh, to Justin. I, I don't think... Chris has enough running back depth to make up for this, though I don't really know how much of an impact Le'Veon Bell would have made on Chris's team, even if he was healthy. So uh, I did think it was interesting that Adam Gase came out and, and apologized for putting Le'Veon, uh, Le'Veon back into the game after he got injured. So it, it makes you wonder if, if like that nigga did that on purpose. Like Adam Gase, bro, he's the biggest conundrum as a head coach in the NFL. I don't, I don't know how he still has a job. Seemingly every player that separates himself from Adam Gase ends up blowing up. Like we just saw Robbie Anderson, what he did. So I don't know. Moving on. Michael Thomas, high ankle sprain. I'll tackle this one. This is really bad news. We saw what high ankle sprains do to even the most elite players just last season with Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara. They weren't very good. They weren't very good at all. So as the Michael Thomas owner, I'll speak to this briefly. Michael Thomas is going to be on my bench until I see him go out there and put on uh, an elite performance. I, I just this is really bad news for um, any any player. High ankle sprains are just very very difficult to play through, and he's apparently going to try to play through it, but um, taking the wait and see approach. Marlon Mack is Achilles uh, tendon was torn in the game. Kurt, I'll let you tackle this one. I, I think the, the obvious ramifications following this injury is, you know, the Jonathan Taylor hype train. What do you think? Yeah, man. Um, it's looking like it's Jonathan Taylor season. Uh, man, it's – I'll say for uh, – I'll just speak to the Marlon Mack part, man. It's super unfortunate when, uh, when players suffer, like, season and injuries, man. I'm never happy to see that. I don't care, like, you know, who I have on my fantasy team. Like, that sucks, man. But – um, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, um, Jonathan Taylor going forward. I saw that, uh, the Colts utilized Naeem Hines a lot in the past game, uh, over this, you know, past, uh, weekend. So, I mean, that might continue to be a trend, but yeah, I think, um, that opens up, uh, things are open enough for Jonathan Taylor to be a lot more productive, uh, going forward. I agree. I think I think he's going to be a smash head. I think in the second half, once Matt got injured, he got 10 carries on first and second down, and then Hines got like two. So he's he's going to be the first and second down back, and he's also going to catch some passes. We'll get into the rookie running back performances here in a bit. I'll let you tackle the, the Blake Jarwin news as well. 
Again, man, you know, it's just super unfortunate to see, like, uh, you know, anybody go go out with the season in an injury. And um, that's exactly what happened for uh, Blake Jarwin towards ACL out for the season. Um, yeah, I, I know, like, um, a lot of fantasy analysts were projecting him to be like a, a bubble tight end one this year. Um, he finally got the starting job without the. Witten being there to interfere and first you know first game of the season he's out for the season so that that really sucks man but you know I'm gonna be all right paid in full gonna be all right yeah it wasn't he wasn't your starting tight end so I, I think he'll be okay uh let's get into the the news items from ace of spades um not necessarily trade news or anything like that just pretty much an update surrounding the rookie players at the skill positions that we were able to draft uh, in, this, in this past year's draft. So the first segment we're going to talk about is rookie running backs. So I'll preface this by saying past the Thursday night Clyde edwards Lair smash, I was super disappointed with pretty much every fucking rookie running back that was drafted in the top three rounds of our fantasy draft, uh, rookie running backs did not perform very well from an efficiency standpoint. So I wanted to label this segment rookie running backs, patience or panic. So we're going to go down the list of running backs that I feel are relevant that were drafted in our Ace of Spades rookie draft. And Kurt, we'll go through and see if we're panicking on these running backs or if we're going to have a little patience. So let's start off with the aforementioned Jonathan Taylor. He had nine carries for 22 yards, caught six of six targets for 67 yards, which is an absolute fucking shot. So where do you land with Jonathan Taylor? Are you panicking with this inefficient ground performance, or are you having patience with Jonathan Taylor? Um, I'm absolutely having patience, especially like now. He's not going to – it doesn't really seem like he's going to be competing for carries, so – yeah, I, 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 I'm, um, I'm patient there. What about you? This is an easy one. Not only am I patient, I'm fucking starting him. Yeah. I'm starting him every week. I mean, are you kidding me? In a Phillip Rivers-led offense, knowing that even Jonathan Taylor, not a pure pass catching back, is going to get, you know, I, I can't say he's going to get six targets a game. I'd be shocked if he did. But if he's going to get a handful of targets every game, are you kidding me? We already know what this kid can do on the ground. I, I was a little disappointed with his efficiency um, running the ball. But I know he's not going to average, you know, 2.2 yards or 2.1 yards per carry every game. So, uh, yeah, that's that's an easy one. I'm definitely being patient on Jonathan Taylor. J.K. Uh, Dobbins, I'm sorry. Seven carries for 22 yards, two touchdowns. Played, I believe, almost as many snaps as, as Mark Ingram in that game. No targets, though. Are you panicking or are you being patient with J.K. Dobbins? Uh, that's another one I'm, I'm going to be – patient with uh yeah i mean the two touchdowns that's a that's a good sign um the no targets like you said that's a i mean that's that's always a concern of mine but um yeah i i think the two touchdowns man uh buys you a little patience what, what do you think i think so too you, you think about high value touches always talk about high value touches and those are targets to the running back and carries in the five zone. So in the green zone, when you're getting those goal line carries and he was getting majority of those. So I think the fact that he carried the ball seven times for 22 yards in such a prolific running offense could kind of be a concern, but I'm absolutely being patient on They played against a good run defense. So I'm not too worried about that. And I think it's expected playing with a mobile quarterback that you're not going to get a ton of targets, but I was expecting at least one or two. So I, I agree, though. I'm, I'm being patient with J.K. Dobbins. I like the fact that he was able to find the end zone twice. I'll take this one. Antonio Gibson, he had nine carries for 36 yards, two catches for eight yards. So this one was a bit interesting for me because I think when I when I originally saw his efficiency, I was, I was panicking a, a little bit just because I expected him to get a lot more work, in, uh, like overall, out of his backfield. But somebody dropped an interesting stat that I wasn't aware of because I, I didn't watch the game, obviously, because who the fuck wants to watch the Redskins actually play football? But Antonio Gibson only played like 20-something percent of the snaps, but he touched the ball 
on 70% of the snaps that he played. As opposed to Peyton Barber, who played like 60% of the snaps, or maybe even more, I think it was 60, 70% of the snaps. He touched the he touched the ball on those snaps at a much lower rate. So this is just the case of a rookie running back getting slowly uh, immersed into the offense. He didn't play enough snaps for me to be worried about uh, you know it, the, the production. So the fact that he got nine carries and two targets and played such a limited amount of snaps, I'm actually very hopeful. And he played against a really really tough run defense in Philadelphia. So we saw Peyton Barber had 17 carries for 29 yards, and he was in the game in the fourth quarter when they were running out the clock. So if you take the game script argument out of the equation, I think, you know, this was a tough matchup for any of these running backs in, in the Washington Redskins. I'm sorry, the Washington football team's backfield. So I'm hopeful. I'm definitely being patient on Antonio Gibson. Let's get into DeAndre Swift. I'll let you take this one, Kurt. Yeah, so this is – okay, so – I know his patience a panic. Um, if I had to lean towards one or the other right now, I think I'm I'm a little nervous about uh, DeAndre Swift. Um, so he had three carries for eight yards, and he caught three of five targets. Right. So like, but I also know um, that he had less touches than Carryon Johnson and um, Adrian Peterson. So I'm a little concerned about that. And he dropped the game winning touchdown too, which is not a good sign. Um, you don't want I, I don't know, you know, uh I don't know DeAndre Swift, so I don't know how something like that could affect his psyche. But you don't want your rookie running back confidence being broken, you know, um first game of the season. But yeah, I, um yeah, I'm a little nervous about Swift. Um I'm not in full panic mode, uh with Swift, but the fact that he had less touches than the other two running backs on the team, and he performed like significantly worse than uh, Adrian Peterson, like that, that that makes me um, a little bit nervous. What about you? I'm absolutely panicking on DeAndre Swift just because the draft capital that he was drafted with on a Lions team that hasn't produced a thousand yard rusher since I don't know when. But the most important piece of of my panic is Adrian Peterson. I don't want any running back that's part of a committee with Frank Gore or Adrian Peterson because there's no reason that them old-ass niggas should be commanding Snapshare away from these young, spry, talented, and I'm using air quotes, talented rookie running backs. So only having three carries, the, the five targets is promising, but he dropped one. Uh, so I, like you said, you mentioned the confidence thing. You don't want that to happen to your rookie running back first game uh, in the NFL played and he drops a potential game winning touchdown. And I'm going to pause for a second because I have two news items. First and foremost, Loray in our league just sent me a trade offer. I want to read this trade offer out loud. I want to hear your reaction. He's trying to acquire Odell Beckham from me for his 2021 second round pick and his 2021 third round pick. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, stop laughing. Stop laughing for a second, bro. Who the fuck does this stupid ass who the fuck does this stupid ass nigga think oh, I am? Oh man. Is Ray is Ray is Ray fucking slow? Is he a fucking retard? <laughs> like who the fuck do you think you're talking to? With this garbage ass team, bro. Get the fuck off my dick. Why would he send me this garbage? But anyway, I just wanted to, I wanted to hear you laugh at that because I knew that would be the reaction. But um the, the next news item that I just got actually come through is that Michael Thomas, his high ankle sprain was actually worse than what was originally expected. So he's going to miss a few weeks. He's actually not playing. So like I said, those high ankle sprains are nothing to play with. And I'm, I'm glad he's resting and not trying to play through it. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, he, he was already on my bench. I didn't plan on playing him. So, um, but yeah, those high ankle sprains there. Yeah. It's like one of the worst injuries to have bro, for a running back or a wide receiver. So hopefully he recovers quickly. Zach Moss. This is another one, bro. Swift and then Zach Moss. Nine carries for 11 yards. Four targets. Caught three of them for 16 yards and a touchdown. Split carries evenly with Devin Singletary, who I think had nine carries for 30. Both of these backs were absolute fucking garbage. Like, they were both trash. Panic or patience? If I had to lean towards one, like you mentioned with Swift, I'm leaning towards panic just for both running backs. I mean, they played a, a really good Jets uh, defensive front. They've been really good at stopping the run for the past several years, but I don't care. Nine carries for eleven yards. I don't. 
I'm leaning towards panic. I don't like that. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, 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 I would have to lean. I mean, it's week one, so you know, like I'm gonna be patient with most most of the guys after week one, but um. Definitely trending in the direction of, of panic with uh, Zach Moss and, and DeAndre Swift. Uh, but yeah, like like you said, with Moss, like nine carries for eleven yards. That's, I mean, that's unacceptable. And um, I think also too, man, like and Josh Allen is still out there rushing for touchdowns, but I, I don't really like that. So, well, if I'm a Zach Moss owner, I like it because I have Josh Allen. But you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I think it's it's a red flag for Singletary as well because when they when you talk about the breakdown or distribution of those goal line carries, Zach Moss was the goal line back. So if there are going to be touchdowns scored at the goal line that are not scored by Josh Allen, it's going to be Zach Moss, not Singletary. So I think the arrow is trending downward for both of these running backs. Joshua Kelly, 12 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> My deep sleeper running back from the draft in the fourth round. Bro, so much promise. So many uh, great things said about this kid in camp. And he actually didn't even see the field really. until He didn't see many touches until the second half. You know, um, Justin Jackson injured himself again. And uh, Joshua Kelly got his chance, and he took full advantage of, of those um, of those opportunities. So, I don't even know actually why I put him in here. Uh, he's like the only one on this list who actually had a fucking good game. So we can kind of gloss over him. This is definitely um, um, patience, not panic. I'll let you take this one, Kirk. Cam Akers. Oh, yeah. Um, so just to throw a stat line out there, 14 carries, 39 yards, and one catch for four yards. So he got 15 touches. He didn't do anything with them. And he looked worse than Malcolm Brown. So. I'm panicking, bro. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I'm nervous over here. Somebody who traded up to draft this kid, like, man, you can't go out there and get outperformed by Malcolm Brown. Like, who M. Brown? Like, who is this guy, man? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm nervous. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm not in full panic mode yet. So don't send me any um, 2022 third-round picks for uh, for Akers that's getting declined. But, uh, Yeah. I'm nervous, man. He didn't. He didn't look very good. You already know Ray is coming with that 2022 pick. Hey, what the fuck is wrong with that stupid ass nigga, bro? I'm literally still. <laughs> I'm literally still pissed off that he sent me that trade off, bro. Like, what a dumbass. Anyway, um, I'm panicking on Acres too. I don't think I would be panicking if I just saw the stat line. I'm panicking because I seen the game, bro. Like, he just didn't look good. He didn't look explosive. He didn't look elusive. Uh, he wasn't heavily utilized in the in the past game. I uh, I wouldn't be tilting fully, but I, this is this is similar to my Zach Moss, DeAndre Swift, you know, perception after watching them and, and their touches. I'm I'm a little nervous about Acres. I know that the path is for him to eventually take over that backfield. He just didn't look he didn't look good. You know, um, a lot of times it takes rookie running backs longer because especially on third downs because they have to learn all the protections um and they have to know like their route assignments and things like that on third downs but you at least like to see on first and second down when they're getting their carries uh, them being explosive and taking advantage and, and he didn't really didn't do that before i get done with um the rookie rbs and i put clyde edwards Hilaire smiley face in here just to just to fuck with you but one rookie running back that i forgot to mention that isn't on this list is Rio's nightmare, James Robinson. Ooh. He is an undrafted free agent rookie who signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who Rio inexplicably dropped, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But he's the only rookie running back in this draft who commanded 100% of his team's backfield touches. He's like the, he's their workhorse. How do you feel about James Robinson? Um. I mean, about as good as I can feel about a running back that's starting for Jacksonville. But, hey, man, what I can say is in comparison to everybody else who we just discussed, you know, um, Joshua Kelly and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire be, uh, excluded. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked he looked better than all of them. So, I mean, I'll take that, you know. I'll take that, especially, like, when I didn't have to invest anything in him. Again, thank you for uh, dropping them for me. But, 
Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, you look good, man. Yeah, I definitely like what I see there in terms of the opportunity. You can't go wrong with that, especially when you didn't have to invest anything to get the player. All right, let's power through the rest of this. Rookie wide receivers. Let's talk about them. Let's do a temperature check. So for each of these receivers that I'll mention, and let me know if I left anyone off that was relevant. Uh, actually, we could probably talk about like Van Jefferson or something like that. But when we talk about when, – when I mention these wide receiver names, you can tell me if you're cold – lukewarm or hot on these guys after what they showed you week one henry rooks hot hot i agree jerry judy lukewarm same lukewarm uh cd lamb i'm i'm lukewarm what about you i'm hot yeah i I think i'm lukewarm because of the opportunity sharing how amari cooper is like commanding so many targets here it has nothing to do with cd lamb's talent but um i'm warm i want to see a little bit more from cd uh, Brian Edwards. Who? Nah, um, cold. Yeah, cold. Cold. He didn't do anything, and they were hyping him up so much in camp. I'm going to say cold. Uh, Jalen Rigger. Hot. I'm hot. I'm hot on dude, too, bro. Like, uh, no homo. But uh, <laughs> he, only had, he only had one big play, but, bro, he hit him with a boom. Like, that deep 55-yard reception, I like that. Uh, Michael Pittman. Um, what did he do this week? Not much of shit. I think he had a couple catches. Yeah, I, I I like him, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say based off his week one performance, I'm gonna say cold. Ah, I'm st- I'm gonna say cold too. Uh, Van Jefferson, I'm gonna say cold too. I think he had one or two catches. Any other rookie running backs, uh, rookie wide receivers of note that I'm missing? Not that I'm aware of. I think I think this is these are the only uh, relevant ones. Oh, one more, Justin Jefferson. He talked caught two catches for like 33 yards. Um, um. I'm cold on him. Yeah, you know, I, I watched that that game in its entirety. He he made no noise, so I'm gonna say cold on him too. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's get into another segment when we're talking about week one performances. So let's start with who you thought was the start of the week last week. Okay, so just um, for this for this past week, I thought the start of the week was uh, Jamison Crowder and. I mean, just because he over he overperformed, uh, in my in my opinion, and based on projections, I think he doubled what he was projected to score. So I would say uh, Jamison Crowder was the start of the week. I don't think you can go wrong with that at all. I don't know how many people outside of deep dynasty leagues actually started Jamison Crowder, um, but I thought that was I thought that was a really good one. My start of the week was. Um, I took the easy. I took the easier out with a lot of these. Actually, and my start of the week was Josh Jacobs, primarily because I called it, uh, and this is one of the reasons that I picked Daniel to beat Justin in their head-to-head matchup week one. He absolutely like smashed that matchup that he had. Um, let's get into the the bust of the week. My bust of the week was Michael Thomas, and he's an even bigger bust of the week. Because he got three catches for 17 yards and in a meaningless part of the game where they're just essentially running out the clock and trying to gain one more first down, this nigga injures his fucking ankle. That's absolutely like the bust of the week for me. Who did you have for the bust of the week? I had Baker Mayfield. Um, Oh, my God. Yeah. And if you look at – all of the quarterbacks that started in our league, he scored the lowest amount of points. So definitely Baker Mayfield, man. Like he and watching him play, like not even just looking at his stats, like watching him play, he he I think I think he looked worse than his stat line, man. So that's <laughs> that's yeah. and that's that's hilarious because his stat line was awful. And just because Ray sent me that bogus has OBJ offer, I'm glad you have Baker Mayfield, right? I'm glad that should keep you one. Um, let's get into the week, uh, the week one fluke of the week. So, who did you have for the fluke of the week? I had Raheem uh, Mostert, and I almost like feel wrong for putting them there just because you know he he's good for a, a big play here and there. But the bulk of his production was based off of a 76 yard catch. Um, he carried the ball like 15 times, and he averaged like 3.7 yards a carry, so not very productive on the ground. And uh, yeah, he had a he had a big game, but it was 
really carried by that one big splash play. Uh, who did you have as the fluke of the week? Joe Mixon. Ooh. He was so bad. There's no way Joe Mixon, bro. There's no way Joe Mixon is that bad. I think as as Joe Burrow progresses and the offense becomes a little more electric when he settles in as the starting QB, these weeks from Joe Mixon just aren't going to happen. He's just too good of a player. So I took the opposite approach and said, you know, I didn't, I didn't pick a player who had a really good game. I thought it was a fluke. I, I picked a player that had a really bad game that, that I thought was a fluke. Let's go to uh, the surprise of the week. The surprise of the week for me was was hands down. Uh, and you have a good one too. But, but mine was Naeem Hines. That was that was at, because he was free on our waiver wire for majority of the summer. And I think halfway through the summer, KB picked him up and he absolutely smashed um, the Philip Rivers effect. Man, that dude loves to throw to his running backs. Who did you have? I had Adrian Peterson. Um, yeah, I mean, he tripled his projected score. I didn't, and I thought uh, that was really savvy of Ray to even start that guy because I just. I just couldn't. I just couldn't have done it. So yeah, um, fourteen carries, ninety three yards, and he caught three uh, three passes for twenty one yards. Like yeah, that that was a, a surprise to me. I agree. Uh, let's get into a trend that will continue. This is funny because you, you you said Tabron. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I agree with that one. I think um, that's that's funny and and, and accurate. Uh, but the player that you had was Robert Woods. And I think that's that's a really, 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 really good call. I think Robert Woods is consistently year over year one of the most underrated receivers in in fantasy, and all he does is is go out there and produce. My trend that will continue is something that you probably aren't going to want to hear. It's the lack of passing game utilization for Austin Eckler. All right, listen, uh, listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't go. Bro, Austin Eckler, he's he's the Los Angeles Chargers Zeke. I mean, <laughs> they want to use him as a between the tackles back. I don't really know what they're doing, but Tyrod Taylor, he's he's known for not targeting his running back very often, and they didn't seem to be very creative in their approach using him in the passing game, so I think that's going to continue. Let's rapid fire through these. Don't give up. Uh, players that you shouldn't give up on yet after week one, we'll just – you know, tie all these guys together because you had Akers and Swift and I had Gibson. So we'll just say rookie running backs in general because none of them perform particularly well. And who's droppable? You said Duke Johnson. I said Gronkowski. Ooh. I mean, he's off a year of retirement. He came back. He's ass. Brady's ass. I I don't care about Gronk anymore. All right. Neither does Brady. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Uh, OJ Howard tight end one. All right, let's get into some rapid fire week one reactions so we can wrap up here quickly. Let's start from the bottom of the standings and work our way to the top. So at the very bottom, wah, 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 Tabron. What are your takeaways from Tabron's performances? Um, worst GM in the league, worst team in the league, and not surprised that he scored the least amount of points. Could have said it better myself. Moving on. Elmo. <laughs> Takeaways from Elmo's team. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take Elmo here. I think Elmo probably set the worst lineup. And not his fault. It's just how the, the points uh, panned out. I think if Elmo fixes his lineup moving forward, maybe plays some um, Dobbins, uh, David Montgomery will continue to get healthy. Um, what else does he have here? Maybe, maybe if he's feeling brave, start Corey Davis. Uh, he doesn't have many options on his bench, but I think he can make a few tweaks and get himself in that, you know, bottom five range as opposed to the bottom two range. Uh, I'll let you take Ray. Yeah, uh, Ray's team is actually actually looked okay, like pretty decent. Uh, he could have gotten a, a win if he, you know, tweaked his lineup a little bit. So uh, that's that's promising, I guess, for uh, for Ray. Yeah, I was going to apologize to Ray for telling him to pivot off Malcolm Brown because Malcolm Brown isn't good at football and I wasn't expecting him to be utilized as much as he was. But I don't care about Ray anymore after that stupid trade he just sent me. So, um, yeah, I'm glad he lost. So moving on, I'll take I'll take BT. Surprisingly to a lot of people, um, Trubisky actually went out there and had a good game. It wasn't surprising to me. So 
uh, he, he has he's had in the past really good games against the Detroit Lions. So I think it's a good sign for BT to have, you know, at least two startable QBs for the time being because we thought that would be a huge problem for him. My biggest takeaway from BT's team, though, is that he doesn't have any studs on his team and he doesn't have any running backs. So unless he finds a way to address those needs midseason, he's going to be a bottom three team. Uh, BT is a, a player who is very, very particular with the trade offers that he fields but he's going to have to consolidate some of this talent on his team to get a running back or an elite piece, or else he's going to have a very long season. What about Jamal? I'll let you take Jay Mula. Uh, yeah, man. Um, Jamal is kind of, I, I won't say he doesn't have any studs on his team. I think he just has a really big glaring hole at the, uh, at running back. Like, and that's something that he definitely needs to address going forward, man. I just say, you know, um, keep grinding, man. Continue to uh, continue to rebuild. But yeah, like Peyton Barber and James White and Duke Johnson, like just uh, yeah, not gonna get it done, man. Yeah, it's ugly out here for his running back situation for sure. Um, I'll take Danny here. So Danny, I, I think his arrogance pigeonholed him here. Uh, since last year, when he found out we were going to Superflex, he didn't prioritize getting the QB, and he even had. You know, that Jonathan Taylor pick where he could have taken Joe Burrow. And I think his quarterbacks, if, if this is what, you know, I won't say this is the ceiling of his quarterbacks, but if this is what his weekly output is going to look like from his QB position, he's he's going to be in difficult shape. Um, I'm not saying he should have pivoted off the Jonathan Taylor pick. I'm just saying, like, in a super flex league, knowing that your starting quarterback is Derek Carr, you can make the case that he should have pivoted to Joe Burrow with that, with that overall uh, three pick that he had. Um I was originally really, really impressed with his RB production until I realized that Chris Carson only had six fucking carries. Yeah. So that might that might be a problem for him, even though he scored, you know, uh, 22 uh, fantasy points. But this is the biggest thing. I'm going to take a little time on, on, on Danny's team because I call him the all-hype team. These dudes who became Twitter darlings following last season and haven't proved anything on the football field, but their fantasy value skyrocketed because of their age – and narrative street really um nothing of real substance saying that these players were going to smash his wide receiver group dj moore and aj brown dj moore had four catches on nine targets for 54 yards that doesn't warrant a fucking second round dynasty adp aj brown had five catches on eight targets for 39 yards neither one of these players scored that doesn't warrant a fourth round or third round dynasty uh adp so I don't know. Um, I think Danny's team has a lot of potential, but Daniel's probably going to have to make some moves. I'm not sure he's going to be anything beyond, you know, a fringe playoff team with the way that his his players performed during week one, at least. His, his wide receivers are going to have to step up. He does have a centerpiece on his team and Josh Jacobs, and the fact that they gave him six targets is huge because the biggest knock or the only knock on Josh Jacobs last year was his lack of utilization in the passing game. But Danny's going to have to keep an eye out on his wide receiver position. I, I gave him shit about it earlier, and he said those those two receivers are going to bounce back, and they might. But it, it's not it's not a promise in sight to see um, you know four and five catches from these guys, especially since one of them, DJ Moore, is playing with a new quarterback and a new offense. You don't know that he's going to be featured like he was last year, so. I uh, wouldn't be I wouldn't be panicking if I were Danny, but I'd, I'd definitely be keeping a close eye on this this wide receiver situation. Uh, this is why you don't claim victory in the in the preseason, Kurt. Yeah, like this. I, I've learned a lesson the hard way, man. And, and you know, as a person who, um, I've had like a lot of different wide receivers. One thing I just learned about <clears throat> fantasy the hard way is that. It's not always about how good your player is, man. It's also about the situation, too. So you kind of got to factor that in before you start, you know, celebrating your victories. I agree. No preseason victory laps unless, you know, you're the defending two-time champion. Anyway, I'll let you take Chris. Uh, Chris, um, yeah, it's going to get worse, man, before it gets better. Uh, that's what I'll say about Chris's team. Um, he'll win some games this year for sure. Um, but yeah, with Le'Veon Bell going down, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm worried about Chris, man, and his team. I think, uh, yeah, I, like I said before, when we were talking about the Le'Veon Bell injury, I just, 
you know, it's it's a it's it's a you know we 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 talked about it before, and I think you kind of jokingly said that like Chris is like a C all across the board, and it is like just a real averages looking team, you know, and it's a team that really can't afford to lose like anything, um, like in terms of like players. So I, yeah, I don't I don't like his outlook going forward, man. I just. Hey, just stay strong, my brother. That's all I can say for uh for Chris. <laughs> just, just stay strong, bro. Uh yeah, yeah. I, I won't I won't speak on Chris's team, but I agree with you in the in, in what you said about his team not being able to afford to take a loss just because it's so shallow. Uh let me talk about Rio's team. So first of all, I want to issue an apology for Rio because I actually I actually called him losing this week, but he had crazy performances by fucking Dallas Goddard and, and Jameson Crowder. I don't know how many times throughout the season he can expect them to score 30 points each but uh, he secured the victory he also got an injury to philip Lindsay, so that's going to be a problem for Rio going forward because he has no running back depth he's starting aj Dillon, who we didn't even bother mentioning in the ricky running back segment because he only got two carries so Rio's probably going to have to make a move he's also in big trouble with nick chubb if if this usage continues he only played 43 percent of the snaps he had 10 carries for 60 yards so he's still the same nick chubb he was last year who's an excellent runner on the ground, but if they're only going to utilize him, uh, giving him uh, 10 touches and one target, he's going to be in trouble, especially since that's his fucking second best player to his quarterback, Dak Prescott. So this is a team I don't fully understand yet, but I think he has enough, like just startable, like fill in players on his roster that he can get through a week with like LaVisca Chanel, I could see him spot starting him if his usage continues to be stable and Marquez Valdez Scantlin if Aaron Rodgers continues to play the way he is. So I think Rio's in, in, in for a long season as well, but I don't think he's as bad as some of the teams that we mentioned earlier on. I'll let you take Justin. How do you feel about his week one performance? Uh, solid, man. Yeah, you know, um, carried by studs, man. That's like, and that's, and that's not a bad thing to me. Um, I think some of the things, you know, that we touched on, though, uh, like prior to the season starting, like one thing that I did notice about his week one performance was um, Drew Locke only got him 12 points. Don't like to see that. Um, and another thing is the Keenan Allen, Tyrod Taylor thing. That's another thing to just keep an eye out on. Um, four catches for uh, 37 yards for Keenan Allen. It's not not really good. I know. Um, I don't know Tyrod's stat line off the top of my head, but I know he didn't pass for very many yards in general. Um, so that offense could. I mean, it seems like it's gonna be um, different than it's been in the past. Um, so I think that you know that that could be a bad sign for uh, for Keenan Allen this year um, and. I know he also possibly um, lost James Conner. So uh, those are not good takeaways. But still got McCaffrey, still got Dalvin Cook. Now has Julio. Um, so, I mean, he could always ride those guys to some wins. I agree. I'll, I'll touch briefly on Justin because we're getting into the top three teams now. Um Justin's team is very, very good. And I, I think my biggest takeaway in terms of his individual player performance was Julio Jones is still Julio Jones. So I think that was a brilliant acquisition by Justin. And if he's going all in for a chip this year, that's a move that he needed to make. I agree with everything you said about Keenan Allen. I won't jump into that. But Justin, and he's an avid listener to the podcast like Danny, so I want to go into uh, depth on the, on, the, on the GMs who actually listen to our podcast because I want to show them some appreciation by uh, actually spending time on their rosters. I think Justin did the right thing by pivoting off of James Conner and Benny Snell until he sees more. Uh, Ronald Jones did get 19 touches. Um, so I think that's the right move moving forward, at least until Fournette starts commanding a little bit of that market share. But the, the negative knock on Justin's team that I think he's really going to have difficulty with throughout the season with consistency, you mentioned one of his QBs, but I'm going to go so far as to say both his QBs are are going to be an issue uh, for him going throughout the season, I think, on the week-to-week basis. Deshaun Watson was able to salvage his week by a garbage-time rushing touchdown, but he's not going to always have those opportunities. Deshaun Watson is going to finish some games with 12 points. That's just the nature of the way that this offense is going. And I think Bill O'Brien, as much shit as we give him for being an awful GM, he is a decent coach, and I think they're going to shift to more of a ground-oriented offense. 
David Johnson looked really good his first game. I think they are going to give him more carries. And I'm not saying the game plan is going to be to take the ball out of Deshaun Watson's hands, but they're definitely going to take it out of Brandon Cook's hands and fucking Will Stone hands, Fuller hands. So I think there are going to be less deep ball passing opportunities for the Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Darren. They don't have good pass catching weapons. I think he's going to move towards more of a run arc oriented offense and try to have, you know, a positive game script. I think we're going to see some bust games for Deshaun Watson. So that's something for Justin to keep his eye on. He's, he's like Danny in the sense that he punted on QB and uh, didn't prioritize it necessarily. Uh, Justin didn't have any draft picks, but he could have tried to make a trade. He has so many, he has so many pieces on his team. He could have tried to make a trade for a quarterback and he didn't. So that's just my two cents after uh, the recap of, of week one for Justin. I'll, I'll, I'll transition directly into KB's team. Looking at KB's output, bro, I couldn't figure out where the fuck his points came from, bro. But obviously he's got Lamar Jackson. Aaron Jones was able to salvage his game. And Noah Fant had a huge game. And Robert Woods had a huge game. And um, we also saw both of his um, second flex and super flex perform Raheem Mostert. We talked about him earlier as, as the week one fluke. But, I mean, shit, he put up this week. KB finished as the third overall point scorer. What do you think about KB's week one output? Um, I mean, great performance, uh, you know, as, as far as, like, point total. But um, I wasn't overly impressed with uh, Aaron Jones, like, watching him uh, play this week. But, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think it's a competition, you know, for carries or anything in Green Bay. So he should be fine going forward. Uh, the Mark Ingram thing was a little um, that's that kind of stood out to me. That was a little alarming. Uh, just how inefficient mm-hmm. he was, and uh, you know, also like the I, I know um, last year Mark Ingram. Um, the reason why he produced as well as he did was because he was efficient and he scored a lot of touchdowns. So if he's inefficient and he's not scoring touchdowns, that's going to be a problem for, uh, for KB this year. Um, but on a bright, brighter note, um, it seems like the Patriots want to run the ball with Cam Newton. So that could be a good thing for uh, KB's team. And, you know, um, you like to see uh, Cam out there looking like Cam again, or I like I like to see that. I'll say I won't speak for anybody else, but I was happy to see him out there looking like Cam again. He ran for two touchdowns. That was a good sign. Um, so that's you know, um, and I, I mean, obviously he has Lamar Jackson, so QB position could be sold up for uh, for KB. And um, I spoke about a trend that I think will continue. Um, and I think Chris pointed this out actually when when you know we were kind of watching watching the game uh, in the chat yesterday. Uh, the Rams came out and looked for Robert Woods like three times in a row, you know, to start the game. So I'm not saying that he's going to get a hundred yards every game, but that's a good sign. Uh, he's going to be like a one of the focal points of that offense. You like to see that. So I think that's some production he'll be able to count on as well. I think so, too. I'll touch briefly on KB's team as well. First and foremost, KB has, like, the best IDPs in the league. He he, he has the best IDPs in the league. His IDP situation and his quarterback situation is, is top three in the league easily. And KB does have some holes on his roster, but KB's going to beat a lot of people this year. Yes. He's going to beat a lot of people because not only does he have some pieces on his starting lineup with, with high upside – and we'll see if the Noah Fant performance was due to Cortland Sutton being out or, or if this is like a breakout year for Noah Fant. But he's also bi-week proof in the sense that he has three startable QBs and some spot starter players that, that he can play from his bench. Like, you know, um, so he could play Sony Michelle or Paris Campbell, like working out of the slot with Philip Rivers, who loves throwing to a slot receiver. Like he has some player. He's going to beat a lot of people, especially going through this list and how teams project after their week one performance. KB is going to win. He's probably going to win. You know, that said, he would win seven games at the beginning of the season. He might win eight or nine games. So I'm hopeful for KB's team, and we'll see if the trade he made for Lamar Jackson was worth it, if he can beat, you know, the teams we're about to talk about now. Kurt, I'll, I'll let you discuss my team, and I'll discuss yours to, to round it up. Yeah, so uh, looking at your team, man, I mean, you put up 250, bro, and a few of your players had some absolute stinkers. So that – uh. That's a scary sight, man, for, for the rest of the league. Um, I mean, you look at 
what Joe Mixon went out there and did. And I know you said that you think that's a fluke. I would have to agree. I don't think that's a trend that's going to continue, but that was not a good, not a good game. Your uh, bust of the week was Michael Thomas, who also had like not a good game, a, a bad game. And then your boy Saquon was out there getting bottled the fuck up last night. 15 carries for six yards. Like, uh, Man, it looked like they were doing um, an all-out blitz every time my man Saquon touched the ball. So that's the, and and he still ended up with eleven fantasy points. So you had like some players that went out there and had some absolute duds, but you still put up two hundred and fifty points because you know you got the the rookie Clyde that was hilarious went out there and you know got all his production on the ground, which is ooh, that's dangerous, especially in in that Chiefs offense, and then. Nuke looked like, you know, like I like we've never seen him before. He was in rare form, uh, went out there and caught 14 passes, 150 yards. Like, uh, and then, you know, Kelsey did his thing. Zeke did his thing. Aaron Rodgers had a, a vintage Aaron Rodgers game. Um, yeah. I mean, so, you know, um, I remember the year that you won all of those games. Um and you, I think you only lost one one time that entire season. And I would look at your teams and I would look at some of your players and I'd be like, man, he didn't really have a great game. But then you would just, you know, like if somebody else, you know, if, if one of your players is not performing, somebody else is overperforming. So it looks like it's going to be more of the same uh, this year for your squad. Yeah, I won't, I won't speak on my team. I just want Justin to hear Two-time back-to-back champ, champ to the throne, pussy. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me talk about the team that finished number one overall in the standings, put up 292 points, almost our first 300-point performance. Would have scored 300 points had he not listened to me and started Tyler Boyd over David Johnson, but that's neither here nor there. This team is 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 so dangerous. I called it at the beginning of the season. I said this was the second most dangerous team or the second best team uh, coming into the offseason, and it was it was mainly in part to the quarterback situation. Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. I'll say a couple of things about these two quarterbacks and why in Superflex it, it's just such a heavy advantage to have two quarterbacks that can put up thirty points. And uh, you know, more importantly, if we're talking about why they were able to produce the games that they did, it, it's their rushing floor. You had Josh Allen rush for fifty-seven yards and a touchdown. He had two fumbles and still put up thirty-two points. And then Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray would have actually gotten you an additional point bonus, but they kneeled the ball three times against San Francisco, so he lost like nine yards. He would have been over 100 yards. So if you're telling me Kyler Murray is going to go out there and throw for 230 and run 400, those are Lamar Jackson-type numbers. This team is already the deepest team in the league. If it becomes top-heavy as well, it's just going to be very difficult for teams to to beat you on the week-to-week basis. It's, it's going to be very difficult just because of how the team stacks up. Your IDPs perform well. If that trend continues, it, it's just going to be very, very difficult to, to beat this team. And um, you didn't start Mike Evans because uh, he was dealing with an injury. Uh, Cooper had a, a bad matchup. I'm using air quotes there, but he still got off versus Jalen Ramsey. So it, it makes me interested to see what Amari Cooper's output is going to be against a lesser DB and then Kamara uh, is, is back to Alvin touchdown. Kamara scoring um, two touchdowns, almost three in, in that finish. And then, you know, you made the move for Austin Eckler. And I'm not really even sure that, that you needed to trade two first-round picks to acquire Austin Eckler. He might be the weak spot on your team. So, you know, just so we can wrap this up, your team is 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 as advertised, at least after week one. And I think it's different from prior seasons in the sense that, you know, you usually have a blow-up game week one. But the guys that usually hold you back, they're not even in your fucking starting lineup. You talk about David Johnson, Leonard Fournette. Those guys are no longer in terms of starting contributors to your team. So new year, new you. Uh, I'm excited to see where your team lands, and and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it will be interesting, I should say, to see how this playoff picture is going to look like. So we'll leave it off on that and um, go into the very last segment, which should take just a couple minutes, as opposed to Goofy of the Week. We're going to do interesting GM of the Week. And I'm going to go through mine quickly because I have two. Ray, Odell Beckham Jr. is better than every single fucking player on your team. Every single one. And the fact that you think you can disrespect me as in the second or third when the reason that OBJ hasn't produced for the past year is because of your garbage-ass fucking QB, it's just disrespectful. 
it's disrespectful to somebody who's won four championships over the course of eight years in this league. Seven years. I, I don't appreciate it. Don't ever fucking fix your thumbs to send me a garbage-ass trade offer like that. Trying to poach one of my elite players to join your garbage-ass fucking franchise. Next interesting GM of the week, Rio. You have a bottom five roster in our league. Why would you drop Adrian Peterson and James Robinson like your team is just like that? Rio, your team is not nasty, bro. You can't just be dropping niggas all willy-nilly. Your team is not like that. So I'm not going to call you. Ray, you a fucking goofy, Ray. Rio, Unc, I'm not going to call you goofy, bro. I just think you should reconsider or reevaluate how you approach your roster building because niggas like you can't afford to just be dropping niggas like you are. Your teammate, your teammate like that right now, bro. You can't just be dropping niggas that's going to be in other motherfuckers lineup putting 20 on your head. So James Robinson, Adrian Peterson, that makes you one of the interesting GMs of the week. And Kurt, I'll head it over to you for your piece on tape, Ron, real quick. Yeah, so I could really get into it. I could really get in depth and tear into this nigga Tay Brian, bro, because he is the worst GM in the league for sure. But this week, the reason why he's the interesting GM of the week for me is because he hopped into the chat and declared that he was going to win his week one matchup after he did absolutely shit the whole offseason. He didn't do anything. He didn't make a move. He didn't pick up he he didn't pick up a free agent. He didn't he didn't do anything. Then he comes back into the chat after he's getting beat <clears throat> by a hundred points and says, Does anybody want this first overall pick with the little squiggly face or whatever? The little goofy face. And that's definitely he is a goofy face. He had, <laughs> he offered the number the number one overall pick after he already traded it. He traded the pick. The, he traded the pick for for uh, DJ Strike uh, months ago, and then uh, okay, and and that's and that was on the so after he made that move, he, the, he so he traded away his number one overall pick, his first pick for a player, and then he traded me his best player for picks. So he just has zero strategy. This yeah, and then he came into the chat and offered his offer his pick that he didn't even have. And then once he found out that he didn't have it, he said, Oh shit. Like what what is this dude doing, man? Like, do you think? I think you just like get off the trades and you just say, Yeah, that's cool. I'll take that. Like, that sounds good. And then you just move on about your business. Tayburn thought that he was going to do what he does every other year, which is nothing, and then show up and get lucky and make the playoffs. But this is the year, bro. Your time has come. It is over with. You're not making the playoffs. You're gonna be. You're gonna be the worst team in the league. This, I'm done, bro. this man scored 155 points, and the app gave him the best GM. But it was only because he didn't leave any points on his bench because he doesn't have any points on his bench. <laughs> the most amount of points he could have scored was 177 points this week. <laughs> That's awful. That's <laughs> awful. Oh, man. Tay Brian. Yeah. So interesting to say the least, man. Like that, that guy is just, yeah. It's going to be a rough few years for you, my guy. But. Hey, just hold on. Hey. Hey. I told him his time was up. <laughs> I, I told him he was trash. And he trash. I mean, Tay, bro, you hit the nail on the head when you said Tay Brown thought that he could do what he's done every year and just show up in September. And the more complex the league gets, you can't do that. It's over with for Tay Brown. He's going to be picking in the lottery for the next several years. It his his time is up. So that's the show. That's the show. Again, we're gonna try to drop a couple more uh leading up into next week's uh game slate. And um preferably we'll do one for the pregame Thursday and then one Saturday before the Sunday slate. 
So please tune in. Let us know if you guys have any episode recommendations. We're happy to do it. This is definitely one of the most fun episodes we have the opportunity to do since we had actual content to cover. So anyway, I'm rambling. Drop the outro. And remember, it's up there and it's still stuck there. Peace.